Hello, and happy Wednesday to you. This is CORE, Continuing Water Religious Education. We greet you in the precious, miraculous, exalted name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Keep trusting him and him alone. He'll work it out. We're in Colossians chapter 2, and I want to say this to you. Paul laid out the deity of Jesus Christ, that all things will be by him, for him, chapter 1. And there's a reason, this is a prison epistle. He's in prison writing to the church at Colossae. And it's here that he um, is dealing with believing a lie. Believing a lie. False teachers, false doctrine, false, false presuppositions, false premises. He's dealing with believing a lie. And the church at uh, Colossae, had a lot of philosophers, and we got to be careful today that um, uh, we don't believe every spirit, as John says, believe not every spirit, but test the spirits by the spirit, and and by the spirit is the spirit of God, the spirit of the word, the spirit of scripture. We got to test everything by the spirit of scripture. So when someone says something to you about last days or signs and wonders or healings, you've got to test it by the word of God. You cannot just take people's word. You cannot let them isolate scripture instead of exegete. Exegete is compare scripture with scripture. You can't let them isolate scripture and say, here's what the Bible says. You've got to be diligent, uh, study to show thyself approved to God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly, here it is, dividing the word of truth. And there are a lot of people on TV and on radio. They don't. They don't rightly divide the word. They give you a feeling. They they give you their opinion. They pull scripture out of context. Uh, they isolate. They don't exegete. So one of the things that Paul begins to do here, he's talking about believing a lie. And 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 one of my questions to you today is, how much of a lie do I have to tell before you believe it? Believing a lie. Uh, could you discern or differentiate truth from a lie? And that's one of the things that we need to dive into. So Paul here begins with the deity of Christ. That's his foundation. Let me tell you who Jesus is. He's God the Son, Son of God. He, he, he has all rights and all privileges. He's preeminent. He has all power in his hand. He has the last say-so. One of the things that Paul begins to do, building on the foundation of the deity of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> excuse me, is that in um, in verse six he deals with our our walk, our walk, uh, and and our walk is uh, our daily conduct, our daily lifestyle, our walk, and 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 here in verse six. And, and I want you, he says, as you have therefore, and the therefore goes back to the foundation of him being God, the deity of Christ, amen. He says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, that's verse six, so walk ye in him. Now stop. How did you receive Jesus? By faith. You never saw Jesus. I don't want to hear about that nightmare you had the other night. 
You ate you ate a pork chop slip on your back. You had it. You have you have a vision. You had a nightmare. You've never seen Jesus. Amen. You've never been to heaven. How have we received Jesus by faith? Walk by faith. Live by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So he he immediately in verse six deals with our walk. My daily conduct should be in line with the word of God. My daily conduct, my daily way of living should be in line with the word of God. He deals with our walk. And then he gets to verse uh, seven. It says rooted and build up in him, established in the faith. Uh, and, and then in verse eight, beware, here it is, lest any man spoil you, you through philosophy, philosophy and, amen, vain deceit. Now, this, these are some strong words. Paul says, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Somebody can craft a philosophical argument for the existence of something, for something, amen, that they want you to believe that has nothing to do with the Bible, nothing to do with Jesus, and it's craftily furnished. Paul is saying you got to be careful because false teachers with bad doctrine can philosophize deceit. They can make you think God is saying this. I know I used to laugh when it says you take one step, God will take two. That's not in the Bible. Benjamin Franklin said that. So you, 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 you and I got to be careful about vain deceit. People lying to us and we accepting it as truth. We compare scripture with scripture, that's the hermeneutic, to get truth. So if God is talking about love in John chapter 3 and God is talking about love in 1 Corinthians 13, I need to compare the scriptures and out of both of them, I start to get a definition of, of love. So I got to take all the scriptures on love, look love up, put them all together, and then I have a comprehensive view of what God's love is all about, not just one scripture. Okay, love your neighbor as yourself. No, you take them all together, and you'll find out that love is dealing with sacrifice, suffering, submission, uh, surrendering. You'll, you'll understand these different rules and, and, and words for love, but then in verse uh, 2 9, he not only deals with uh, God's, amen, um, re reception of faith, as you have received Christ Jesus, walk ye in him. But then in 2 9, he's dealing with God's representative of the faith. And this is deep. It says in verse 9 of chapter 2, and I want you to hear this language. For in him, in Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. That scripture means God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there's a true, there's, there's, there's a triunity, uh, there's a trinity. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit says, we will invest everything in Jesus. 
He represents the Godhead in bodily form. So when you believe in Jesus, you're believing in the Father. When you believe in Jesus, you believe in the Holy Spirit. You don't need to hear from three different persons. There are three different persons who are independent, but yet interdependent. So when God said, let us make man, the us, the plurality in Genesis 26, 126, is dealing with the Godhead. He's not talking about angels. Angels can't create. In, in, in Isaiah 6, when, when God said, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. That us, that plurality, is the Godhead. But God has, in Colossians 2, 9, God has placed all authority in Jesus. So when people start talking about other gods and other names, it's false. It's a lie. For his name shall be Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In Matthew one twenty one, so so we see him as not only the uh, uh, Amen, the reception, but the re the the representative of heaven. And then in verse thirteen of chapter two, we see him as the redemption for man. And I want you to see this in verses uh, ten to thirteen. It says, and I'm going to read it to you, and ye are complete in him. The whole theme to the book of Colossians is that anything outside of Christ, we don't need because we're complete in him. You are completed in Jesus. Everything you need comes from Jesus. Spiritually, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, we are complete in him. Listen to this. Amen. And, and he goes on to say, um, you are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and power. So he begins to deal with this matter of redemption in, 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 in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Circumcision was the Abrahamic covenant. All male children, eight days old, had to be circumcised in their penis. He says, no, this circumcision is without hands. This is spiritual circumcision where God, amen, brings you in to salvation by grace and faith in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. We've been circumcised. And he says, buried with him in baptism, death, burial, and resurrection, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead is dealing with our redemption and you being dead in your sins and the uh, uncircumcision of your flesh has he quickened, made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. I love this passage. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. My God, today, every one of your sins, Jesus nailed to the cross. Every one of your sins, he forgave before he died. The, the whole redemption process of buying back out of the marketplace of sin is seen here in verses 10 to 13, and it's phenomenal. And then he deals with God's rule in verse 14, that he blots out the handwriting and having spoiled 
principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. Now let me stop Paul's in part. When we hear Paul talk about the foundation of redemption, the foundation of his power, the foundation of his deity, that ought to stop you from believing a lie. Who can lie to you and not compromise the deity of Jesus Christ? He's King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He's the potentate of paradise. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. All the promises of God are yea and amen. And we know all things are working together for the good. For them that love the Lord and call according to his purpose, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. All of the promises are in Jesus. So all we got to do is look to Jesus, trust Jesus, lean on Jesus, and no one will be able to lie to you. God bless you. Have a great day. Don't let nobody lie to you today. We love you. Bye-bye.